When you put yourself on purpose in the embarrassing situations, you learn how to deal with feelings of judgment. You learn how to feel how judgment feels on your body. Because think about any time you give a presentation, why do you deliver it in not the best way? It's because you're scared of what other people think about you, how they perceive you, how smart you are. And the moment you can stop caring a tiny, tiny bit less, you will be more comfortable on stage and you will you will be much more confident delivering your presentation. Welcome to the Mind Speaking Podcast, where we talk about the human side of data. In other words, data, communication, and personal development. My name is Gilbert Eikelboom. I'm driven by curiosity, and my aim is to spread insights that you can apply in your life starting today. So, let's do it. Let's start Mind Speaking. So, hey, Philip. Hey, Gilbert, good to, good to speak to you because it's a special day. Not really today, but tomorrow is a special day because it's going to be the launch of this book, The Story Selling Method, the book. We don't even have the book yet. It's just a piece of paper. But from tomorrow onwards, uh, the book is out. And I'm excited because I've been a little bit part of the process. You uh, you asked me for some some feedback. So maybe I contributed a tiny bit to your book. And I'm excited to see that you uh, you made it. You made the finish line. Mm -hmm. Uh, So congrats with the publishing of your book. Thanks a lot. No, you were an inspiration in the process. So thanks a lot. (laughs) Great. Yeah. And I'm excited for today because we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is storytelling. In your book, uh, Story Selling is also about storytelling. And we're going to also explore today why the art of selling and story selling is also important for data professionals. But first, I'm curious, uh, how do you feel about the launch? (laughs) Honestly, it still feels surreal. I think pretty much a year ago, I had a conversation with a friend and we're talking about, hey, um, what about you? It would make sense for you to write a book. And I'm like, I'm not a writer. I don't like this. I cannot do this, right? And I still thought that I would never write a book in my life. I thought that I would pay eventually ghostwriter out of 30K to write my book. But um, then a few months later, I saw this book and I think it was called Write Useful Books. And that was a very scientific approach to just writing a book. When I read this book, I realized that book writing, it's not this romantic process where you wait for inspiration to hit you. No, it's just, hey, you go there, you put it together in a structure, and then you just follow the structure. So for me, then it was much more of a consulting project. And actually, there's a romantic idea where I just go there and wait for inspiration to hit me. Yeah, and write useful books. I think there are so many books out there that don't have a specific purpose, right? They don't Mm -hmm. solve a problem. And that's why many books don't perform so well. And Mm -hmm. I think your book tackles a really specific problem, right? Mm, Yeah, for sure. I think wanted to to be a little bit more niche, but I think right now it's it's good where it stands. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I'm very excited for you that you you made it, that you completed this consulting project, as you call it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it definitely is a big, a big journey. Are there any stories that you remember from that process while writing a book, while thinking about the topic. Um, do you have any stories that come to mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, let me give it a thought actually on this one. Uh, I think my my story was actually that on one day when I, um, at the beginning I always thought that, hey, I'll just sit down and write it by myself. But then I talked to this one friend, my best friend, and when he gave me some feedback, I realized that, hey, actually all these people that I know, 
they know a million times better or they have different perspectives that I can tap into. Before that, I always thought, oh, I got to write this myself. But then I realized that all these friends, and I think everyone, we have these very qualified people that I then started involving in the process. And that just made it much more beautiful, much more wholesome to just pick everyone's brain throughout and not do it by myself. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's also what I remember from my journey. I wanted to, I thought I all needed to write it by myself and write, <laughs> get all the insights by myself, get come up with new frameworks about everything. Uh, but in fact, if you refer to certain pieces of research in the past from very qualified people or mm -hmm. even closer friends, yeah. That also counts, right? It's about giving value and solving the problem of the reader. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, great. Great to uh, hear a little bit about your the book process because I uh, hear from many people it's it's a it's a difficult difficult journey. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So what I would love to learn a bit more about is the book. Uh, so story selling, <laughs> uh, story selling method. Um, first of all, of course, we need to dive into you know why why does Stories that so storytelling. Why does it matter? Why mm -hmm. why should we care about it? Yeah, good one. Because I get that pushback a lot of times, right? Especially from people that are a little bit more into numbers. They say like, "Why would I need that?" Right? I just trust my numbers. And what I always respond in these situations, it's like, "Hey, sure, you can go ahead with your numbers, but do you really think that when you present your analysis, that the other person remembers that a day later, a week later, a month later?" And if we're honest with ourselves, right, we realize, hey, even ourselves, even if we're super data driven, we forget things very, very quickly. And so I still say, hey, continue using all these data points. But just by including one or two stories in your presentation or in your communication, you'll become more memorable. It's such an easy way to hook someone emotionally and then make them remember you. So it's just a tiny change in the communication, which makes a big difference to how people remember you. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's even more uh, memorable. People will remember you more. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you also talk about that it's more persuasive, right? It's, yeah. it's easier to persuade people why your insights matter or why what you're trying to communicate is, mm -hmm. is important. Yeah, for sure. And that's we at the end, I know some people are thinking, ah, I'm not a sales guy. I don't need storytelling. But at the end, we are all selling ourselves constantly. Right. And we are all pitching our ideas. We're pitching our analysis. And then if you're just relying on arguments, well, it's not that effective. I think best example is, have you ever tried to persuade someone, let's say, of the complete opposite political camp? And you're like, uh, you use the best arguments in the world, right? You use bulletproof facts. Do you think that that person actually changes their opinion? No, right? So people just don't follow arguments that much. You need to appeal to the emotions if you really want to persuade someone. Right, right. And what are some uh, ways how people listening can can use stories or can implement uh, some tips about storytelling in their in their daily daily work yeah or live even <laughs> live <laughs> yeah i think there's one one use case that is just so easy for everyone to implement and that's pre-connection stories um we, we can do it quickly right we can give maybe a shitty example of mm -hmm. um how a connection could go right if i ask you know hey Hubert, how are you and then you give me a bad example. Good. Fine. Okay. That's one example. Other example is he talks in about the weather, right? Here in Amsterdam, they love talking about the weather. They're like, oh, finally, the sun is out and it's not raining. 
We talk about weather, we talk about weekend, we talk about all these super boring things, which are not bad by default, but just your relationship stays at the same level. And so there's an opportunity how you can bring in a connection story when someone asks you, how are you? Do you want to ask me, how are you? How are you? <laughs> That's a little bit awkward now. <laughs> I could say, hey, you know what? I'm really good. This morning, I went to my favorite coffee shop here around the corner. And right when I got my coffee, the owner, Joey, he said, Oh, good, Philip. This one is on the house. For real? Why? <laughs> anyway, when was the last time that someone was, I don't know, nice to you for no reason? And how was that for you? And then I give Hibbert some time to respond. You don't need to respond right now. Don't worry. <laughs> Not putting me on the spot here. Definitely on the spot. But I can see, I can see how that works. You know, because you share something about your life. It's a very concise story, mm -hmm. and then I have the opportunity to reflect myself what it means for me. So it's more about meaning rather than facts or the way exactly yeah it's just share something about yourself right take that relationship from the same level and just go one level deeper and it's not that you need to share now the deep vulnerable parts of yourself if you share something maybe something interesting that you've done lately maybe in uh, a new skill that you've picked up or maybe even some small thing that annoys you Americans are usually great at that, right? They share these little, I think you call them pet peeves, some small thing that annoys you where you get very upset about. It's usually fun to share some of that in, mm -hmm. in the conversation. And I picked up on something you, you mentioned <clears throat> that you don't need to share the most vulnerable things right away. And I think it's it's um, a challenge or a fear that many people have. I, sh I don't want to overshare. I don't want to be too vulnerable as well. Where do you see the, the border? Or mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that every single workshop, people are like, ah, oh, Philip, we're here in business, right? I don't want to share anything emotional every single time. And what I always say, hey, at the end, in business, they're the same people, right? They're not any different to the people that you encounter in the streets. And so they're humans who want to be entertained, who want to feel connection. And so is there really a reason why you shouldn't share any emotional things there no sure don't go on tell your 10 minute emotional breakdown that you had but share a tiny thing about yourself something vulnerable that's an amazing opportunity to just build that connection at the beginning mm -hmm. i like that idea and when when would you use these type of connection stories because of course if you if people ask you hi how are you that's, mm -hmm. that's a nice way to to inter inject some of those stories mm -hmm. uh, do you see more opportunities or where where can we use these kind of stories in mm -hmm. in our work or in our personal life? What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, on this one, you can sure share them as well unsolicited. Let's say no no one asks you how are you, but I'd say honestly, each one of us we have dozens of chances when someone asks us, hey, so how's it going, Hubert? What are you up to? So in any of these opportunities, any of these moments is an opportunity to respond with a connection mm -hmm. story. Yeah. So I'd say other stories. Bigger stories are better for other times, but these short connection stories, they're ideal when you start off a meeting, mm -hmm. when you just want to break the ice a little bit. Right. That makes sense. And I really want to try out more of these kind of things, these, these connection stories, because mm -hmm. I do, when I think about the inter interactions that I have, uh, there, I still try to, I still try to take the easy route. Every now and then, you know, autopilot <laughs> saying, hey, I'm fine or I'm doing well mm -hmm. without really thinking, hey, how can I make a connection with, between me and the other person sharing a connection story or any mm -hmm. other way? Um, do you have any tips for me how to be more mindful in that interaction so that I 
that I'm aware and that I know that there are other options as well, instead of saying I'm fine or I had a good day. Yeah. At the beginning, you almost got to prepare that a little bit. After some time, it comes pretty natural. But at the beginning, let's say five minutes before the meeting, you ground yourself and you think, hmm, is there something maybe interesting that has happened in the past few days? Hmm. Okay, I think I could use that. But don't only think about the story that you could tell, but also think, what is the question that I could ask the other person? Because storytelling, it's a little bit misleading. Storytelling is actually not that much about sharing the story, but it's making the other person comfortable to share their story in return. Mm -hmm. So I have to think, hey, what is the question that I could ask the other person in return? That way, um, that way you have that meaningful conversation. Otherwise, it's just like, so, okay, random story. Thanks. Let's move right. on. <laughs> so you mean the question that you ask after sharing the story? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, example, you share, I share right now a story. Aha, I've just tried this cool new hobby yesterday. It was so much fun. And then I ask you, so, Gilbert, when was the last time that you started a new hobby? And how was that for you? Right. And then you probably can respond with some story as well in return. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. It's really something... Uh, I like to think of every now and then, hey, what's the last time I've tried something new? Mm -hmm. It's a kind of a tangent here, but it's a great topic to discuss as well. And, and I think it's good for for variation and it makes mm -hmm. me feel alive to try out new things every now and then. And it gives more connection stories. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, when we talk about storytelling and presenting, uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind and many other people's mind is confidence. Mm -hmm. Because... How do you have the confidence to stand up there and mm -hmm. speak with others and speak in front of a group mm -hmm. and present your insights and tell stories, which is by nature a bit of a bit vulnerable? Mm -hmm. um, do you have any tips for the people who are listening or watching how to become more confident in mm -hmm. their yeah. presentations? Yeah, uh, I'd have some specific tips on how you can rehearse for a presentation. So one thing that I feel very, very strongly about, there's this one tip that is around there and everyone keeps repeating. It's terrible, it's terrible. The one thing that you keep hearing is rehearse in front of the mirror. And it's, honestly, it's the worst tip that is out there. Why? Because if you're in front of the mirror and you see yourself speaking while, uh, you see yourself in the mirror while you speak, that's completely unnatural. The only thing that you accomplish with that you'll get more self-conscious because you're like, oh, what do I have here? Yeah, what's going on there? And so you become more self-conscious. And so what do you want to do instead? You don't want to rehearse in front of a mirror, but you want to rehearse out loud. Let's say you're in your room, you have your presentation coming up. Instead of just thinking about it or rehearsing in front of a mirror, you stand up in front of your room, you find yourself objects in the room. So let's say the microphone is one object, your spider is one object, your glass is one object, and then you move deliberately from one object to the other and finish one thought in each object. That just helps that you get more comfortable speaking out loud, but also having this deliberate eye contact. I like that. Because what, what I see with many presentations, whether it's data presentations or other presentations, is that people only look at one side of the audience, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's just one mm -hmm. person they yeah. feel very connected to or uh, they trust. But of course, the rest of the audience feels left out. So I like mm -hmm. this tip about practicing at home, not in the mirror, but looking at uh, different objects. and. <laughs> thinking about that they're real people. On this one, I have actually one that is even or quite a notch higher when I prepare for presentations that really matter. And I often struggle that my voice is a little bit too low. What I do there, I go into the park. I find myself a tree that is about 10 meters away. And I just start giving that presentation to that tree that is 10 meters away. That way I just train myself to use my voice much more. 
And it's awkward, right? Because people are passing by and they're like, why is this crazy person talking to himself? <laughs> but it's powerful to just train yourself to speak out loud. Right. It's so powerful. And it also makes me think about a challenge. I'm not sure if it's part of this challenge that you have done in the past, <laughs> but I know you have done a TED talk about mm -hmm. constructive embarrassment. Mm -hmm. uh, so talk to us about that and see <laughs> how it just relates to talking to this, this stream. Yeah. So constructive embarrassment, for those of you who've never heard it, constructive embarrassment is when you put yourself on purpose in an embarrassing situation. I know everyone is like, uh, why would I do this, right? This is pretty awkward. Why should I do this? I have enough embarrassing things in my life. Well, when you put yourself on purpose in the embarrassing situations, you learn how to deal with feelings of judgment. You learn how to feel how judgment feels on your body. Because think about any time you give a presentation, why do you deliver it in not the best way. It's because you're scared of what other people think about you, how they perceive you, how smart you are. And the moment you can stop caring a tiny, tiny bit less, you will be more comfortable on stage and you will, you will be much more confident delivering your presentation. Now, let me give you some examples that's clear. Examples, you right now go out into the street Next stranger comes to you and you ask the stranger, hey, excuse me, uh, could I give you a hug? <laughs> if you feel that this is not COVID uh, conform or whatever, you can give them a high five or you go to the next Starbucks, find yourself a cozy spot on the floor, sit down and you sit down on the floor or you lie down on the floor or what else? What, what cool stuff have I done lately? Mm -hmm. Recently I had an idea from a friend from Sabi from Sabi, you go up towards, I went up to an, a guy there and I asked him if I could give him my blessing. And so I went and touched his feet <laughs> to give him my blessing. And he asked me, uh, are you, are you, who are you to give me yeah. your blessing? Right? I said, uh, no, I just wanted to give you my blessing. <laughs> so the options are infinite. Honestly, anything that gives you a little goosebumps, a little, that is a little bit uncomfortable, are great opportunities to embarrass yourself. I really like that uh, that perspective on, on on confidence and constructive embarrassment because I I think it's so important to to put ourselves out there in uncomfortable situations, but we never get the chance to really present uh, to practice our presentation with the same kind of nerves or feeling of judgment, right? Mm. But this way, it is possible yeah. because uh, like six six years ago, I was looking at the option to um, with VR to create. Uh, an audience, you know, visualize an audience so that you kind of get the same feeling as if you would present to an audience. Mm. Uh, because I wanted to like mimic and and stage the, a real presentation. Mm. But this way, you know, talking <laughs> in the park out loud, doing your presentation or the other kind of stuff you've you've mm -hmm. done, you're really practicing the, the 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 skill of yeah presenting and getting out of your comfort zone and becoming more comfortable with judgment yeah and on this one you can do it in two ways either the best way is obviously if you do it one exercise every day for some time that will change your confidence and how comfortable you are in front of other people but another one is if you just want to have a quick fix almost right you can do that before a presentation that matters so let's say you have a big presentation coming up an hour before you go into the meeting room, you do something awkward in the street in front of strangers. After that, you'd be like, man, if I can do that, I can do anything. Example, when I gave my TED talk a year ago, I had to take the train from Amsterdam to the south of Netherlands. In the train, I said, you know what? I'm gonna give it a try. I stood up in the train and I'm like, excuse me, can I have your attention, please? Everyone was like, oh, 
what does he want? <laughs> and I said, I want to sing a song for you. And then I started singing that song for you. And for those of you who know me, I'm a terrible singer, right? I'm a terrible singer. But I sang that song for about a minute long. When I did that, when I felt the judgment, right? Everyone was hating it. Everyone was ignoring it. I noticed, hey, if I can do this right now, easy peasy can I be on stage in front of a few hundred people. This is harder right now doing this in the subway, or it was not a subway, it was a train, than actually being on the stage of TED Talk. Right. <laughs> so you can even use it right in front of a big, a big high stakes event or presentation yeah. that you want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I really like that idea. <laughs> How, it must must have been the longest minute of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so surprisingly, it's extremely awkward. And when you start, it's still super, super awkward. And then you somehow have to point you like, yeah, right, I can do this. <laughs> right. And then you're like, oh, man, I am right now doing something that no one else dares to do. And then you're at this point where you're just like, hey, I am, I'm grand God, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I really love that idea. I hope people are going to try it out and people will share their uh, their experiences on, on YouTube or on LinkedIn. Uh, because I, I, I do believe this makes a difference and we need to do some of these tryouts uh, together as well. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has a favorite word right now. I was actually looking to start a new challenge in <laughs> 30 days. <laughs> exactly. So you will see that coming. <laughs> so um, when we when we talk about stories you know what 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 i hear from many data professionals business stakeholders are that um, they tell me that people are not concise enough they try to include so many details and, mm -hmm. and that's also something you wrote in your book mm -hmm. that you should simplify their stories and be concise and mm -hmm. uh, so do you have any tips for for my audience and also for me to to be more concise and more to the point in mm -hmm. you know, the presentation or conversations yeah for telling stories maybe for sure for telling stories i'd say good rule of thumb your story in a business setting should be between one and two minutes three minutes if it's maybe an incredible story once you have it let's say a story ready you want to almost write it down once at least the bullets of that and then you want to go line by line and ask yourself is this really is this really needed here right now right does it add any emotions that it does it add any surprise anything that makes the story better or if not just cut it right um what i always suggest there is to focus on much less things especially in business we're often giving so much context we're like ah oh, you need to understand this 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 no i'd say just go right into that and if people have a question they usually come back to you and ask you about it so i'd say cut down on the context ask yourself is this context really needed are all of these side characters needed? All of these million other people that were part of the story, are they needed? Probably not, right? And then also are these moments, are there non-crucial moments that maybe you don't need to tell in the story either? Um, I'd say when you ask yourself these three things, then it's very easy to cut it down to one, two minutes. Mm -hmm. Try to be very concise. And also one thing that I notice, especially in business communication, is people speak way too complex, right? We often think like, ah, oh, let me use these foreign words to sound extra smart. And then what I learned, it's, it's probably a subjective take on this one, but the more people use foreign complex language, the less I trust them almost that they're actually qualified because I know they are pretending almost, right? They're trying hard. The real skill is to speak so that the other person 
that a kid could understand that, right? Your goal should be that a fifth grader understands your presentation. When you get that, that's the best communication you could have. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And it's and it's hard, right? It's, it's hard. hard to talk in a simple way. Mm -hmm. I, I also saw this quote last week or a few days ago that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure who said that. Doesn't matter, but I think it was a really nice quote because it shows that, you know, it's 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 not easy. And if you're managing to communicate your message in simple terms, then that's, that's actually a huge, huge skill. It's huge, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> um, is there anything else uh, from the book that we have not covered that you would like to that you would like to share about the writing process or uh, about some of the practical insights? Yeah. I'd say with storytelling, people often think that, oh man, I'm not a natural born storyteller. Uh, I, this is so hard for me. I get nervous. What I've learned, and I found myself in these situations a few years back. A few years back, I was still a terrible public speaker. I was a terrible storyteller. What I learned, actually, it's 90% almost in your own head, right? The moment that you start getting a little bit more comfortable, whether enough through constructive embarrassment or coming to self-limiting belief, whatever it is, the moment you start to be comfortable with yourself in the audience, you can tell incredible stories. You can tell incredible stories and you can give amazing presentations. So if anyone is listening and thinking like, oh man, I want to become a better public speaker. I want to become a better storyteller. I'd suggest don't focus on the stuff that people make you believe like, oh, raise your arm in this way or you stand exactly in that way. Fuck that, right? No one cares about that. At the end, you wanna you wanna learn how to be most comfortable in the moment that matters. And that's through meditation, through overcoming your self-limiting beliefs, so through visualization, through constructive embarrassment, everything that makes you more comfortable is excellent resource to prepare for that. Wonderful. Great tips that uh, people can uh, put in, into practice. And um, yeah, I cannot emphasize enough that storytelling is so important, whether it's data professionals or, or other people. But I would say, especially data professionals, if you learn if you learn the skill, if you learn how to communicate your data in simple terms into a story, people will understand that people will be convinced that your insights matter. Um, something else, I know, I know you a bit on the personal side as well, and I know you like bachata dancing, <laughs> uh, so you travel around the world as well to uh, um, yeah to show your skills and to connect with other people. Um, I was wondering, uh, we haven't really discussed this, but I was just wondering. If you see any parallels, any similarities between bachata dancing and storytelling mm -hmm. or yeah. constructive embarrassment, you can take it any route. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually very close to what I said in the last thing. And I'm only starting to learn that right now. Because let's say when I start bachata, I'm completely in my head. Bachata is Latin American dance, by the way. Um, I'm completely in my head. I'm thinking like, ah, oh, what is the move right now? Am I following this? Do it? And I'm just in my head, right? And what I learned right now over practicing bachata for three years, I'm starting to be in the moment where I can just enjoy it, be very comfortable, feel the music, be present, be grounded. And all of that stuff, I know it always sounds a little bit hippie, right? It sounds a little bit spiritual, but the moment that you can start being present, connect with that other person and you're not in your own head, then that's incredible for any relationship. It doesn't matter whether it's bachata, whether it's business, or you're a girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever it is, right? The moment you start to be present, grounded, try to connect with that other person, it is huge. Fantastic. I uh, completely agree. It's a game changer. It sounds a bit abstract, like you mentioned, but it uh, makes it all the difference. Mm. Um, we're close to the end. Um, is there um, yeah, one last takeaway that you would like to share with my audience about 
about storytelling, about confidence, about book writing, the things you have learned? Mm -hmm. Now, to be honest, I would only encourage people, hey, give it a try, right? I know it's very easy to listen to the podcast, but you learn today two very specific things that you can start going forward. Option one, someone asks you, how are you? And you respond with a tiny, interesting fact about yourself. That's option one. Option two is you do something embarrassing. And that can be today, right? You just go and do something embarrassing. It can be completely low stake, but just get yourself a little bit used to uncomfortable feeling. And do one of these two things, and you will already feel more comfortable to attack any major problems or big goals that you have in life. Great. Thank you so much. Um, one last shout out for your book. Woohoo! This piece of paper, which uh, has more papers from tomorrow onwards. And by the time this, this will be published, uh, this podcast will be published. The book will be out and we'll have many buyers. So, Story Selling Methods by Philip Hum. I'm still uh, messing up your last name, but I think it sounds better internationally. I know what it's like <laughs> to have a really complicated name. Actually, yours is pretty easy. Uh, anyway, uh, I really enjoyed talking uh, with you about storytelling, about confidence. So lots of practical tips for the audience to take away. Uh, let me know what you liked about this episode and uh, hope to speak to you soon again. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Thank you. See you guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. Do you want people to listen to your data and increase your business impact? Then take my free email course or do the quick self-test of your data communication skills. Go to mindspeaking.com and start learning today.